Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. It's all about your timing. goodness but Lord God we, we we look for your return we pray for your return and we hope for your return but within that Lord we know that we've got a lot of work to be doing we got a lot of a lot of kingdom business that we need to be about so Lord God grant us a desire to see you come but Lord God help us Give us the ability and the opportunity to be at work for you until you come. Lord, there's too many people, there's too many people right now that if you showed up today, they'd be left behind. And Lord God, we have a desire to take as many people with us as possible. So Jesus, be glorified this morning. Father, have your way in this service. Have your way within each one of us as our as our uh, outlook, as the world's outlook turns toward this, this holiday season that, that we as Christians know as Christmas. Lord, help us to expand that into, into the rest of the world, Lord God. Every time we wish somebody Merry Christmas, let that have a deeper meaning and a larger connotation. And let us, let us look for those opportunities to have a conversation about why this season is so so dear to us, so special to each one of us. Jesus, I just ask, Lord, there's so many people that are sick <laughs> today and, and uh, this week and going into next week. Lord, I, we just ask for your healing, for your protection, for your health and wellness in, in our lives, Lord God. But, but ultimately, Lord God, we're going to choose to worship you in, in sickness and in health, in good times and in and in bad times. So Jesus, once again, be glorified. We just love you. And, and Lord, there's so much more that you have for each one of us. Let us not ever lose sight of that. It doesn't matter that, that we're a brand new Christian or we're a very mature Christian. It doesn't matter if we're, if we're three years old or, or 93 years old. Lord, you have so much more for us. So give us that craving and that longing to run to you and to, to know you more and to, Lord God, fulfill us with everything that you have for each one of us. So Jesus, we pray all this in your holy name. And everyone shout it out. Amen. Yeah. We like it. You guys can grab a seat if you have not grabbed a seat yet. Uh, I'm going to dismiss the kids. Kids, you guys can run on down, stomp on down, be loud. I like loudness. Everybody doing up, man. There are so many sick people. It's ridiculous right now. And and again, let's keep all those people in prayer and and uh, we get through these seasons it seems like it all hits at once and then 
and then everybody's gone, and then we're all back. But yeah, let's just keep all everybody in prayer for either getting over being sick or not getting sick in the first place. Couple announcements, quick announcements we got going. We got West of 50s coming up. That will be next Sunday, December 10th, right after service. So West of 50s, if you're 50 or above, you're invited and uh, bring your favorite snack or your favorite holiday treat. Um, And then I don't even know what's going to go on down there, but it's always fun. So if you're above 50, plan on attending that. Kitchen. We got some kitchen stuff coming up. So on the, if you don't know, we're, we're, we're redoing the kitchen. We're getting a brand new redone kitchen. But in order to do that, we have to do a lot to get, in, uh, to get it ready to do that. So on the, the 14th and 15th at 11 a.m. each day, the ladies are going to be going through the stuff in the kitchen. You know, all the pots and pans, the 28 dented crock pots, the, the coffee makers, all the utensils, all that. They're going to pull all of that out of there because obviously it has to come out. But they're also going to be sorting that. There's stuff in there that, that I think um, this church inherited back in like 1995 um, that's never been used. So all of that's a good time to clean all that out. So ladies, if you want to participate in that, 11 o'clock each day on the 15th and on the 16th, and then on Saturday, or the 14th and the 15th, and then on Saturday, the 16th is when the major stuff comes out. We're talking countertops, cabinets, um, all of those things. So if you um, are willing to come and participate in that, a lot of that will just be helping carry stuff to the dumpster, right? And and uh, and do all that rip up carpet in the in the room that's next to it. Just getting it ready so we can start construction. So put that on your calendar. Obviously, and of course, it's always a fun time to do these things. Um, if you're thinking, man, I've never done anything like that before, just come come for the fellowship and to carry a few things to the to the to the trash bin and and all that. And then lastly, sweatshirts and t-shirts. If you signed up for sweatshirts and t-shirts, those are ready. A lot of you guys already picked those up, but those are in the cafe. Um, And then we'll do another round um, if you want to order them. Um, We'll do another round of that coming up maybe after the beginning of the year. We would do that possibly. Um, If my assistant Levi will help me, it'll all be good. All right. Giving. We got four ways to give like always. You can give online or through our app. You can text the amount to 84321. Always you can use our giving boxes. Um, Mail it to 725 Granite Avenue. Um, Tithes plus offerings. We know that tithes is that 10% of our our income, 10% of our, 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 our monetary goods and that goes to the storehouse of the church. But Above and beyond that, you can do an offering where you can designate and say, hey, I want this to go to missions or go to youth or go to kids or, or go to the kitchen or go to whatever. Um, so that's the difference between tithes and offerings, real quick. But uh, we love to be a giving church, and I always want to give that opportunity for each person to give because it's a way to worship. It's a way to bless the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. You guys ready? Oh, no, wait. We have a... We have an update. She puts a note on my, my stand each time we have an update. But 
and an email. And then when I get up here, I forget. Okay. This is as hard for me to tell you as it is for you to hear. Voters may have the opportunity to affirm their right to an abortion in the Montana Constitution in 2024. Planned Parenthood Advocates of Montana submitted a ballot initiative last week to put before the voters the option to add the right for someone to make decisions about their pregnancy, including abortion, as a constitutional right in Montana. If this ballot initiative makes it before voters and passes in 2024, the Montana Constitution would get a new section explicitly outlining the right to an abortion as opposed to relying on the court's interpretation of the state's right to privacy in the Constitution. The constitutional amendment prohibits the government from denying or burdening the right to an abortion before fetal viability, the submitted language reads. The right to an abortion is already protected in Montana under the state Supreme Court decision Armstrong versus State, which was upheld earlier this year under the court's interpretation of the right to privacy in the Constitution. Spokesperson for Planned Parenthood Advocates of Montana, Christopher Coburn, said in an interview if this ballot initiative were to pass, the right to abortion access would not rely on such interpretation and would be spelled out as a constitutional right on its own. And these are so long, so I'm just going to cut to the chase here. Right now, um, there are certain exceptions in the bills that the our governor signed, but this bill initiative coming out in November would say a woman could get a, an abortion for any reason at any gestational age, and we pay for it. Taxpayer-funded abortions for any reason. It doesn't matter if it's six weeks or if they're fully term babies in the womb, that woman has a right to an abortion. Now I'm gonna cry. This is horrendous. What about the baby's rights? Right. What about the baby's rights? Don't they have a choice? We need to pray for these people. I've worked around these people, I've prayed around these people, and they don't consider that baby a life, but we do, and we need to stand up. And soon we're going to be standing up in the public arena, and I will let you know when that is so we can go in numbers. Planned Parenthood has a lot of money and they have a lot of support, but we need to be bigger, and we serve an amazing God that's bigger than anything else we have out there, right? Amen. This is, um, make no mistake, this is an all-out war. Um, I just, I mean, this is new, right? But I've already seen um, some, some of the uh, Planned Parenthood ads, the Planned Parenthood funded ads. So they are going to pump tremendous amount of money. See, all the money that, that the Dakotas and in Nebraska and Wyoming and Idaho, all that Planned Parenthood money that was going to there, that they were um, states that is, they were trigger law states, right? And as soon as the Supreme Court addressed Roe versus Wade, those, those Planned Parenthoods were basically stripped, right? Montana wasn't because of that, that last, or that, um, so that, uh, provision within our constitution where you think all that money that was going to these those other states it's now all focused on the battleground of montana um, who would have thought that montana would be a a battleground on on such an issue but it is and uh and this is going to take a lot of prayer because unfortunately 
Um, though Montana is conservative, it's not necessarily Christian conservative, right? So we can be um, conservative in, in financial decisions or, or even a lot of social things. But when it comes to abortion, there's a lot of people that are indifferent about, about things like abortion. So this is definitely a fight that has been waged and we have to make that decision on, on where we're going to stand and how fervently or how vocally we're going to stand, right? Um, it'll be interesting. This will be another one of those things that really draws a dividing line. Even within our Christian community, we're going to see some churches that are going to be so passionate and stand against abortion no matter what. And, and unfortunately, we're going to see um, certain churches that are, are going to kind of try to keep it as quiet as possible so as to not make ripples. I'm okay with making ripples. Um, ripples are, are nice. I, I love to fish, and I love to fish ripples, so I have an appreciation for ripples. So if we, want to, if we need to turn up the water, we're going to turn up the water, but we need to begin to pray for this right now. This isn't a, oh, it's, it's down the road a little bit, right? No, we need to start praying right now. And, and as Cindy said, we need to pray for the hearts of those who, uh, who so deeply desire the right and ability to, to terminate the life in a pregnant state, right? We need to pray for their hearts because there's some serious delusion and deception that is going on there. Um, so as a, as a congregation, as Christians, um, get all your Christian friends informed. We got it. This is a fight. I mean, this is one of the, the biggest fights that, uh, that we're going to take part in. Um, in the past, in the present, really in the future, this is a, a fight for life. So, so let's commit ourselves to that. Amen? Oddly enough, because it's always odd when God does things. We're gonna we're really gonna talk about prayer today, and and uh, also some of the aspects of evangelism. Paul has has brought us to this this beautiful point in the letter to the Colossian church, and and uh, he has a lot for us in this portion of scripture. So let's pray, and we'll we'll jump right in. Father, once again, we are we are glad to be in, in your house. You are, you are such a gracious God. You're such an, an inviting God that you desire us to be here with you this morning. And, and Lord God, it's, it's for our benefit that you bring us in. And, and Lord, though you don't need us, you, you want us. So that's why you invite us here. And, and uh, Lord, help us to never take that lightly that invitation that you extend to each one of us. So today, may you be glorified in all we say and all we do and all we think in our conversations and in our actions as we, as we listen to your word, as we, as we hear it, as we bring it in, as we process it in our brain, but, but we allow it to affect our heart and then we leave this building and, and we take this and we, we actually apply it into our lives. Lord God, be glorified in, in all of those things. Holy Spirit, allow me to speak what you have for me to speak today. Lord God, let me speak it in the way that you desire me to speak it. And, and really, if it's not of you, just, just shut me down, shut my mouth, cut my mic, do whatever you want. Because Lord God, our, our, our desire here is, is to do nothing else but to glorify you. 
And Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray once again that nobody leave here this morning. Don't, don't, they don't leave this building. They don't exit this parking lot the same way as they entered, the same way as they came in. Lord, we look to you for change in our life. And we have a desire to follow you and to put into practice within this community your attributes as a testimony as to how great you actually are. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone shout it out. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, if you guys were here last week, you know that we got all the way to chapter one of verse uh, chapter verse one of chapter four. And uh, and it's weird how how it was broken up like that, where it's really verse one of chapter 4 probably should have been in chapter 3 just because of how things break down, but that's okay. This morning we really get into chapter 4 and we're going to discuss something that we should really hold dear and really appreciate in in all of our lives. I, I think you will enjoy this passage of scripture, but I hope you will also be encouraged and energized at what we, we look into today. Before we get started, let's remember why Paul is writing this letter to the faithful believers in the Colossian church. He is, his aim, really his aim is to remind them of the reality of the gospel, the beautiful gospel message of Jesus, and to reinforce these three main foundational principles that, that, that we we see throughout the Bible, and, and they're so important. Jesus is central and supreme to all and in all things. Jesus is the Son of God, and we are to strive to live a life in Christ. We are to be uh, reminded of these things, and it's beneficial to be reminded of these things on a daily basis. And, and we take ownership of these things by really making them personal in our prayer life as we speak these over our families and our households and our places of employment, Jesus, you are central and supreme to me and in all things in my life, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, Jesus, I will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. Think about that for a moment if we're speaking these things, not only in our life, but in the life of those that are around us. What if we go to school, if you're, if you're in school, if we go to school and, and in the morning before school starts, we speak these things over the school. We speak these things over our, our places of employment. We speak these things over our neighborhoods. If we go and work out, we speak these over the people that are at the gym. We can never speak these too much. So please never underestimate the importance of speaking and praying these truths. With that being said, let's just jump into Scripture today in your Bibles. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to start in, in, in verse 2. We're going to look at verse 2 through 4 to start out with. It says this, Be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us, too, that God will open a door of opportunity to us for the word to proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I have been in prison, that I may make it clear and speak boldly and unfold the mystery in a way that I should. It's a great passage. 
Such a great passage of Scripture and such an important passage, not only to those original readers, those original faithful believers in the Colossian church, but so much for us here today. So Paul really moves us forward with these verses. The previous verses, which consisted really of the last two messages, focused on relationships in the Christian household. And really those verses were about how we are to act toward others, how we are to treat others, if we are to live in God's order and thus bring glory to God. I think all of us want to live in God's order ultimately, right? This world is disordered, but God has an order that that brings so much um, safety and security and peace and hope and love into our households. The world is saying, come over to our side. We love the anarchy. We love the disorder. And God is saying, but I have these things that if you do, if you you live within the order of these things, your life can be very different. We talked about the relationships between wives and husbands and husbands and wives and children to parents and fathers to children and slaves to masters and masters to slaves. And there are ordained by God these parameters and and these principles that God has placed to govern our relationship with others. But now Paul moves into our relationship with God himself. Our Christian duties are those things that we are to practice because we are a faithful believer where Paul was speaking to each household individually, Paul is now speaking to the entire church. So no matter what position they hold within the community, we are all seen as equal in God's eyes within this beautiful body that we call the church. And this is really another example to the order of Paul's writings. When it comes to prayer, God hears us. He hears us all when we humbly and faithfully seek Him. It doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter that, that, that He's addressing those that were actually slaves. They were slaves. In that society, they had no rights. And yet Paul is saying you are equal in God's eyes and when you pray, He hears you equally with your Master. He's addressed the children, right? Obey your parents, right? Obey your fathers and mothers. And yet God here is saying it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter that you you are under the, the protection of your mother and father and you are to obey them. I still hear your prayers equally. I think that's amazing. And and if, if he could add to that, he would say, there's people within this body and they have been Christians for decades. And there's people in this body who have just come to Christ this morning. And Paul would say, but God hears your prayers equally. See, we put that hierarchy in our lives. Oh, they must be more holy. They must be more righteous. God probably hears their prayers more. And God says, and is affirmed by Paul, that God hears our prayers 
equally. As long as we humbly and faithfully seek Him. There are three important, I'm going to call them prayer precepts in this passage that we can learn from. Paul starts verse 2 with some of the, really the most important instructions in this entire letter. It's precept number one. Be persistent and devoted to prayer. This statement in the Greek implies that we are to be strong in our prayer life. Appropriate for for what Cindy just, just shared with us. We are to be strong in our prayer life. We're not supposed to have this feeble, um, inconsistent, weak prayer life. Man, we're supposed to be strong and powerful prayer warriors. See, we are to be steadfast, attentive to and giving unmerited care to our prayer life. Continually, all the time, with the mindset to persevere and not to faint. Having a constant readiness but to also be looking for every prayer opportunity. Hey, Amy, can you hand me my water? <coughs> my voice is getting a little dry. So we need to be walking these streets. We need to be living in our, in our households. We need to be existing in this community prepared and looking for the opportunity, the next opportunity to pray for that situation, to pray for that person. The reality is, prayer is a discipline that we have to be willing to pursue. Right? There's so many great Christian principles and and the idea of grace, right, and, and salvation that comes to us not by our own works, but by Him alone, we can take that, and, and if we're not careful, we, we let that ooze out over our Christian responsibilities. And then we just sit back and say, well, God's got it handled. I don't really need to pray because God's got it handled. God's all, He's all-knowing. So what, what does it matter if I pray or not? God's will is going to be done whether I'm involved or not. And, and that's a, a misconception because God wants us involved. <coughs> He wants us involved in all things. So we need to (coughs) willingly pursue our relationship with Jesus. (laughs) Amen. So prayer should not be looked at as the fallback plan or as this religious requirement. And what I mean is this. If you pray only when you are in need, if you pray only when things have gone wrong, you are not being persistent and devoted in your prayer life. Also, if you, your prayer life is, is based on these perceived requirements or these repetitive rote prayers, you are not being persistent and devoted in your prayer life. I say this not to berate anybody in here today, but rather to encourage, to encourage you that prayer can be as much and much more than you have ever imagined within your life. Paul then goes on to say 
being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. When it comes to prayer, we are to be watchful and we are to be active. Our prayer life is to be intentional, isn't it? If we, if we go through life and, and we say, well, man, I really wanted to pray today, but, but there just really wasn't anything to pray about. <laughs> really? Nothing at all? If we're intentional with our prayer life, we're watchful, we're active, we understand that there's not enough minutes in the day to truly pray for everything that we need to be praying for. If you don't believe me, Take a look at the headlines. Take a look around the world. Take a look at our own community. Take a look at your relationships. Take a look at your family. And then ultimately take a look at yourself. There's plenty to be praying for. Now this does not mean that, that there is necessarily a, a, a right and a wrong way to pray. See, we are to speak to God in a, in a genuine manner talking to Him from our heart. What this pertains to is the importance and the priority that we place upon our prayer time. We are to give strict attention to our time communicating, our time talking with God. Therefore, we need to be cautious. We need to be on guard. We need to be alert to those things or even those people that would dissuade or distract us from this precious prayer time. Anyone feeling a little convicted in here? Let me just say thank you, Holy Spirit, for loving us so much to bring these things to our attention. In Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica, Paul says this, So then let us not sleep, in spiritual indifference as the rest of the world does, but let us keep wide awake, alert and cautious. Let us be sober, self-controlled, calm and wise. This is all about how we live as a Christian or as a Christ follower. See, a Christian is not simply a, a name bestowed upon someone as a title. Being a Christian isn't a box that you check because, well, you're not any of these other things. Being a Christian isn't um, a genealogy, right? It, well, my grandma was a Christian. My parents were kind of Christians. Therefore, I must be a Christian, right? Christianity is so much more. A Christian is one who, by their faith in Jesus Christ, chooses to place themselves under His Lordship and his leading, accepting the salvation, redemption, and reconciliation that only Jesus can extend. We are no longer spiritually indifferent as the world is, but rather we are spiritually active, alive in Christ, and the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are able to stay awake, we are able to stay alert to have discernment and employ wisdom because of our personal relationship with Jesus himself. A relationship that is largely based upon connection and communication, chiefly through our time in his word 
and our prayer life. See, if you don't have time in His Word and you don't have a prayer life, how can you actually have a relationship? And we are the only ones, you, individually, you are the only one that can take stewardship over your prayer life. Right? We could, we could run that route. We could, we could try that implementation that, that, that maybe other denominations or other religions employ where there's a mandatory prayer time, right? There's a, the, the Muslim faith, they have a mandatory prayer time. You don't have a choice. You gotta do it. To be a good Muslim, you have to participate in this mandatory prayer time, whether you want to or you don't. See, that's, that's the organization telling people what they have to do, which becomes works, doesn't it? But if we become the stewards, if we have stewardship over our own prayer life, we have an understanding that it's our responsibility. You have to take it. I can tell all you guys, you guys need to read the Word and you guys need to pray. That's just simply a suggestion that I'm giving to you. It's a suggestion because I know it brings health and hope into your life. But ultimately, you are the steward over your own prayer life. So the question becomes, are we being a good steward over our prayer life? And let's not overlook what Paul also includes here. He says, with an attitude of thanksgiving. An attitude. He ties an attitude of thanksgiving in with our prayer time, with our prayer life. When was the last time that you were thankful simply for the ability and the opportunity to converse with Jesus? We don't, we don't think about that, do we? We don't say, oh, Jesus, I'm just so thankful that I can approach you at any time. I don't have to make an appointment. I don't have to send a text first. I don't have to do anything. I can call upon your name whenever. In the middle of the night. In the middle of a meeting. In the middle of a test. In the middle of fishing. In the middle of whatever. I can call upon you and you will always be there to answer. You will always be there to talk to me. How many times have we just stepped back and said, Lord, thank you so much that you love me so much, that you want to spend time with me so much, that you make yourself available to me all the time. We need to be thankful in that. Anyone else feeling a little convicted in here today? Again, thank you, Holy Spirit, for loving so much. Now let's look at this third Precept. It's an, it's an interesting one. At the same time, pray for us too. If you really think about it, this statement by Paul is quite fascinating. See, the Colossian church, it was facing some pretty major issues with false teaching, right, initially. That's why this letter is written. Paul is writing this letter because of the false teaching that was, was going on in and coming against this church. And there were those that were seeking to divide this church and to lead this church in, into a, a very destructive place. 
So Paul is writing this letter to the faithful believers there because they needed instruction. And they needed solid teaching. They needed to be reminded of the importance of the foundation of the gospel. But he's also writing to this church that desperately needed encouragement. So Paul wasn't just dry, right? He wasn't just saying, hey, do this and don't do this and you guys will be fine. He didn't write a textbook, right? He wrote a letter that, that was um, personal and contained all of this encouragement. As a church, we have to understand that they were in a battle and they were probably getting uh, uh, pretty weary from all the attacks that were coming against it. And if you remember way back to the beginning of this letter, Paul starts out by praying for the faithful believers. It's chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. It's just part of it. Paul says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, continually mentioning you in our prayers, recalling unceasingly before our God and Father your work energized by faith, and your service motivated by love and unwavering hope in the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can make no mistake here. This church was very much in need. This church was very much in a place where, man, it's some make or break decisions here. They were weary. They needed encouragement. They were just kind of... It's a church. The faithful believers here were a little down. They were a little discouraged. And yet Paul, right here, is asking them for prayer. I believe he does this for a couple of reasons. First, Paul genuinely... He genuinely wanted prayer while he was imprisoned in Rome so that he would have those continued opportunities to, to proclaim the gospel to those around him and have and really have a deep impact for the kingdom. Paul was in prison, right? He, he couldn't just leave. He was, he was a prisoner of, of, of the Roman government. So, so Paul said, hey, I could, I could go out quietly or I could go out boldly. If I go out boldly, I need, I need your prayers. So faithful believers in the Colossian church, I'm asking you, pray for me. We should all want prayer for that, right? To endure, to be bold, to be able to speak, to be able to have a kingdom impact. But really, the second reason that Paul put this in here, and it's just as important, I believe Paul was asking for prayer here to show, to demonstrate to the faithful believers that no matter your situation, no matter your tribulation, no matter what mess or heartache or in misfortune you might be dealing with, your prayers are important to others. It's a beautiful example here of, of how, how Paul included this. How many of you guys know that when we pray for others, it has an exponential effect upon us? You guys know that? Pray for others. If you're down in the dumps, lift someone up in prayer. See what it does to you. If you're angry, compassionately pray for someone. See what it does for you. If you're anxious, 
Pray for peace in somebody else's life. See what it does in yours. If you're fearful, pray for someone's faith to be strengthened. See what happens in your life. Oswald, Oswald Chambers said something that has always really stuck with me. He said this, To say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me and then I change things. God has established things so that prayer, on the basis of redemption, changes the way a person looks at things. Sometimes the prayer that changes me is the prayer I pray for others. Now I'm in no way saying we should not pray for our own needs. Those needs that are spiritual needs, right? We all have spiritual needs. We, we definitely have emotional needs, right? We have physical needs. We have financial needs. We have all sorts of needs. And we need to be asking for wisdom and discernment in our own prayer life on a daily basis. We must be asking for forgiveness and the ability to forgive others who have wronged us. Absolutely, we need to be praying that God's will be done and that His kingdom come. But what if part of His will is our willingness to pray for others as well as asking for prayer from others? Some of you guys out there, it's so hard for you guys to ask for prayer. You guys got to get over that. Asking for prayer is not only good for you, but it's good for the person you're asking. And sometimes we get in our prayer time and, and, and we're so focused upon ourselves and our situations. And all we can do is pray for ourselves and we approach God and we just have a list of our needs. And that's appropriate and that's good. But it's not only that. We exalt God, right? We ask for His companionship and, and, and His closeness. But my goodness, we've got to be praying for others as well. Let's look at a couple more verses. This is verses 5 and 6. Conduct yourselves with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders, non-believers. Make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something precious. Let your speech at all times be gracious and pleasant, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer each one who questions you. Paul makes another transition here. Wait a second, we were just talking about prayer, weren't we? And now we're talking about something that's quite different seemingly. So Paul is now talking about really the duty of a believer to witness and to testify to non-believers. Anybody in here believe that as a Christian, as a Christ follower, that we have a duty to share our faith with others, with de-churched people, with unchurched people? Anybody believe we have that? If you don't, there's this little place in the beginning of Acts called the Great Commission. You should reread that because that's a commission to all believers to share our faith in Jesus to everyone that doesn't have a faith in Jesus. 
So we look at this, and now Paul's talking about this, this importance and this duty that we have. Now, do you think that it comes as merely a coincidence that Paul places our duty to profess Jesus Christ to the world right after these precepts on prayer? <laughs> Absolutely not, right? The biggest determination as to if someone will share their faith to claim Jesus, it's based on prayer. That's the biggest determination. See, prayer opens up and strengthens our connection with God. In so doing, we gain His confidence. We gain His wisdom. We gain His discernment. We even gain His words. Right? You ever been in that situation where you're, where you're talking about Jesus? Maybe you haven't even got to the point to talk about Jesus yet and, and something in there, man, there's something within you and it's like, man, I should ask this question or I should bring this up. And, and you're thinking, that's really a weird thing to bring up. You ever been in that situation? It's a great situation to bring in. So you, you out comes some words and it may be weird and you might, you might start talking about a certain kind of car or, or or, or how the weather pattern is looking, or, or, or different things. And it seems very unbiblical, and it seems very unchristian, but, but as you're faithful in that, God guides that conversation, right? And then all of a sudden, you're talking about Jesus, and, and all of a sudden, you're hearing yourself say things. And you're thinking, man, that's good. Whoa, I didn't know I knew that. I don't usually use those kind of words. Where is all that coming from see when we are stewards of our prayer life when we put a priority on our prayer life when we put a priority on on scripture we gain his confidence his wisdom his discernment and his words he imparts upon us not only what to say this is important not only what to say but also how to say it. I think in this age of texting, <laughs> we can have a better understanding that context matters, right? I could send all of you the exact same text. Just a text, you're just reading words on a black screen in white letters. And each one of you could interpret that and take that differently. Man, why is pastor so angry? And others would be saying, oh, that's just what I need. And others are saying, oh, that's uplifting. And, and others are saying, wow, he speaks with such love and hope. It's all the exact same thing. But because there's no context, there's no body language, how I said it is the, is the same, but yet you can take it all differently. So that's the other glorious thing that God and the Holy Spirit, they, they impart that. Not only what to say, but how to say it. It's so vitally important on how we are saying things, how we are speaking things. Now understand that Paul was, was suggesting discernment here when interacting with this unbelieving society in, in Colossia, right? There, it was mostly unbelievers. It was, it was Rome. It was a Roman province. Um, and really, Christianity as a whole in that area was being persecuted to the point of death. Therefore, Paul was saying to make the most of every opportunity 
but do so in a Holy Spirit-led way. After all, Paul is in prison, right? He's in prison for, for, for stating his faith, and he stated it in a good way, and he is still in prison by the Roman people. Paul's saying, hey, you know, all these people are out there, they want to persecute you. Be smart. Be smart at how you speak. Be smart in how you share your testimony. That's what Paul is saying. Wouldn't you agree? We should be doing the exact same thing. Shouldn't we be doing the exact same thing? We live in a country that has become increasingly hostile to the gospel message. So we too need to conduct ourselves with, with wisdom in our interaction with non-believers. Not so much because we, we face the same type of persecution as they were, at least not yet, but rather because we are dealing with a skeptical, often offended, angry, gospel-ignorant, and deceived culture. So we have to rely even more upon the Holy Spirit. Not just on what to say, but on how to say this. The Great Commission calls us all to share Christ. It is through prayer we are equipped by the Holy Spirit to do just this. It is through Christ we are able to move from, from this idea of the Great Commission to the actual action of the Great Commission. And listen to me when I say this. It has to be this process. It has to be this process to be successful. We need to pray. We need to have an active prayer life. We don't pray and say, God, equip me to share your message with somebody. Amen. Goodbye. I'll talk to you later. We say, God, equip me in this opportunity, be with me. Communicate with me as I'm communicating with them. And Lord, help me to say the right words in the right way. This is the part that we, we really have to choose to be involved in. Look at what, what it says. Let your speech at all times be gracious and pleasant. That's hard. It says all times. Are you sure it has to be all time, God? I mean, can't it be most of the time? Because sometimes I deal with those one people, right? You guys know those one peoples? We all have those one peoples. And maybe it doesn't have to be all the time, but, but most of the time with these people as an exception. No, Paul's saying let your speech at all times be gracious and pleasant. Seasoned with salt so that you will know how to answer each one who questions you. I mean, I look at this and I think, gosh, talk about some practical Christian wisdom right here. Practical Christian wisdom that each one of us need to adopt and incorporate into our lives. Paul's teaching here is so beneficial to you and me today. His point is that as believers, we are, going, we, we are to be cautious and we are to be tactful in order to avoid needlessly or unintentionally antagonizing or alienating the unchurched or the de-churched people that we come into contact, that we know they need Jesus, they need Jesus. 
How are they going to get to Jesus? Are they going to get to Jesus as, as me being a conduit or me being an obstruction? A lot of times our intentions are good, but those good intentions quickly are changed when we face opposition or an argumentative or a difficult person. And then inadvertently, we became a barrier to Jesus with what we say and how we say it. Within the Holy Spirit, we can be bold and we can be excited for Christ, all the while conducting ourselves in a proper Christ-centered way. So we must understand not only the words we speak, it's how we speak those words. I like the words that Paul uses and how he directs the faithful believers to speak to those that are apart from Christ. Right? He's not saying, hey, go hang out only in your Christian circles. Talk about Jesus to each other in those Christian circles. Right? We love to do that. Right? I, I remember in a situation, we were just getting into ministry. We went out to eat and, and we were with somebody and there was this group of young men and they prayed before the meal. And this person said, oh, aren't you going to go over there and, and, and talk to them? Well, they just prayed before their, they know Jesus. And there would have been nothing wrong with that. But the real question was, is what about the other 90% of the people in here that aren't praying and don't know Jesus? Right? So we need to have that. It's so much easier to talk to Christians. But Christians know Christ. And we need to make more Christians in the whole of this world. Let your speech and how you talk and the words you choose always in every conversation be gracious. This is to be compassionate and loving, knowing and understanding the eternal importance of this conversation. So let your words be pleasant, pleasing words are refreshing in a harsh world. Seasoned with salt. So glad Paul put this in here. Seasoned with salt. Salt brings out the flavor. It gives energy. It gives enthusiasm to the conversation. If I'm not passionate about who and what I'm talking about, what's the point? I can talk about a I can't talk about a personal relationship with Jesus in an impersonal way. Can I? <laughs> you can't do it. So we season our, our speech with salt. We make the conversation interesting. We can inject some humor in there. We inject our passion in there. All the while being governed by the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that keeps us on track. Because some of you all get off track real easy. The Holy Spirit keeps us on track. And it's pleasant. And it's interesting. It's passionate. And it's seasoned with salt. And lastly, we speak and live within the truth 
of the gospel, the truth of, of Jesus that grants us the ability to know how to answer the questions, the questions that are, are, are so vital in every conversation. See, if you're having a conversation and there's actually, if they're asking you questions, even if they seem a little hostile at first, as long as they're asking questions, that means they're listening, they're processing. The conversation is moving forward. We should never fear questions, but we should rely upon the Holy Spirit in answers to those questions. And please remember, every conversation we have with somebody about Christ is unique. It has to be unique. That's why sometimes it's like, hey, here's a process of winning somebody to Christ. You do these steps, and then you, they say this, and you say this, and they say, that's impersonal, right? Again, that's impersonal. That's like, that's like Paul writing a textbook to somebody. This is how to get out of a church with issues. He could have mailed that letter all over the place. But instead, Paul chose to make everything unique and everything personal. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be doing that within our lives. And a lot of that is just relaxing. And living within the confidence of the Holy Spirit. If, if we pull out a list and we start reading the card, that's not unique. That's not personal. Care about that person. Speak to that person compassionately, with understanding, with love, with salt. A little spiciness when we need to. Be passionate about that. But speak about your personal relationship with Jesus in a personal way. See, when we share our faith, ultimately it has to be appropriate for that person. Or that person is just going to throw it away. I think we've all been in those situations. Worship team. Worship couple. Worship few. <laughs> Come on. Come on forward. Paul is really in this passage showing us that witnessing or evangelizing or testifying, he's showing us that it doesn't have to be weird, right? I've been around weird Christians. I'm going to be honest, I pray that I'm not one of those, but in certain circumstances I am. Amy says when I start talking about Jesus, I invade people's personal space. I'm like, what's that? We have a personal space? I like to, to talk about Jesus and things like that, but, but there's some people, I'm, I'm telling you, like when the, when the Jehovah Witnesses come to my house and they're witnessing, it's weird. I mean, it's just weird to me. But then when I get in conversations with people and we're just talking about real things, we're talking about how hard life can be. We're talking about, about the chaos. We're talking about a lack of hope. When we start talking about Jesus, it's, it's not weird. It's natural. The process of, of God is, is natural in an unnatural world. So it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be weird because we have a solid prayer life, right? I talk to Jesus so I can talk to others, right? 
I can talk to others because I talk to Jesus. That all helps us and that all comes together. Sometimes we make it into something we shouldn't. We freak ourselves out. But what if that person just denies? What do I do? And, and what if that person gets angry? What if I do? And what if that person just flat out says, no, I don't want to talk about it. And, and what if it causes this? And, 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 and what if? And what if? And what if? And what if we're just obedient to speak about what we have experienced? So when we talk about Jesus, it shouldn't be awkward. And it's not something that we should ever be fearful of. We're just talking about our best friend. We're just talking about our best friend. And we're sharing experiences that we have, we have experienced. We're not sharing about abstract things that's hard to comprehend. You don't have to get into deep theology or these huge doctrinal truths. We simply say, my life was junk, then I met Jesus, now I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore I look at things very differently. This is what Jesus has done in my life. See, it's not awkward, and it's not weird. If Jesus didn't equip us to do it, he would have never handed over the Great Commission to each one of us. You see that? The Great Commission was much more than an order. It was an affirmation. It was an affirmation in Jesus saying, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. I have equipped you to do this. Now go do it. That should excite us. That should say, God, I don't feel worthy. But somehow, You've equipped me to do so. Jesus trusts you. You just need to learn to trust in the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love this passage of Scripture. And sometimes when we read a book of the Bible, we can get weary. And sometimes when the pastor takes six months to do a series on one of the shortest books in the Bible... We get a little weary. It's like, man, are we ever going to wrap this up? Are we ever? And then we get to this portion in, in, in the first half of, of chapter 4, and it's wonderful. It's beautiful, and it, and it applies to us, and it, it grants us confidence. And there's conviction in there saying, man, I don't know that my prayer life is where my prayer life needs to be. And then we keep going, and we say, man, I don't, I don't share with people enough about Jesus there's conviction. It's not condemnation. It's just Jesus saying, you know, I've equipped you. I've given you the ability to talk to me, to converse with me, to hear my voice, to be led by me. And through that, it causes you to have a spirit of peace and a spirit of joy that enables you to talk to people in such a manner, in such a way about these important things that brings glory to me. And though they might not come to Jesus right away, you've planted seeds, you've given them things to talk about. And because you didn't get angry and disrespectful and hateful, they can't argue with the message that you're talking about joy and peace and hope. And I've done all these things 
in you and for you, and I trust you, and I've given you this job, and once you start doing it, you start praying for others, you start talking about Jesus exponentially, it deepens your faith. What an amazing God we serve that he desires to, to live with us in that way. Would not you agree? It's amazing. And yet we need to be stewardships of our own faith. Stewards of our own faith. We need to take stewardship in our prayer life. We need to be stewards of, of, of our time in this community. Where are we placing our faith? Where are we placing our trust? And are we a Christian by word, by deed, or by action? Things we have to ask ourselves. We're going to pray. We're going to worship a little bit more. We're going to open up these altars. If anything that I said today has caused you to say, ooh, ouch, you know what, I've, 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 I've been distracted. I, you know, I've kind of pulled back on my prayer life. After all, this, this Christmas season gets so busy. I just find I don't have enough time to pray during this pray during this Christmas season. Isn't that silly? The time that, that glorifies the birth of our Savior, and yet we get so busy because of so much other things to do. Maybe we've had opportunities in our life where, where the person we're talking to, man, we know it deep within our spirit. We know that they want to hear about Jesus, and yet that fear factor comes in, that insecurity factor comes in. And Jesus is leading us. The Holy Spirit saying, just speak this. And we're too afraid to do it. Man, if you've ever been in that situation, if that's something you need to get over, maybe maybe this morning's the time to just, just humbly come before God at this altar and say, I give it all to you. I'm carrying this insecurity. I'm carrying this fear. I don't want it anymore. God, take it away. God, I want, I want to have a hunger for your word. God, I want to be a steward of my own prayer life. I don't want to have to pray because I guilt. I want to pray because of goodness. Go ahead and bring those lights down. As we go into this, this, this next song, as I pray, we're going to open up these altars. If you need prayer, give prayer. Don't leave here without grabbing that prayer. If you need to give before God this morning, give before God this morning. Don't let this time pass you by. Heavenly Father, Lord, you bring us in our lives to this wonderful point of, of really opening our eyes and seeing how wonderful you are and how beautiful your process is. And that process involves our time spent with you and, and Lord God out of that time spent for you you prompt us to, to pray for our needs to worship you to exalt you to forgive and to ask for forgiveness to pray your will be done that your kingdom come and, and you pray we, we, we are prompted to pray for others and, and we find that when we begin to pray for others boy you do something in us because we, we separate ourselves from our own needs and our selfishness and we look upon your people the way you look upon your people and we, we start interceding and we start praying for other people and exponentially within our own self our faith is built up 
our situation, our outlook is changed. Lord, what a glorious thing that is. And the more we pray for others, the more we're enlightened as to the needs of those that that don't know you, the de-churched and the unchurched. We begin to pray for them more. And as we pray for them more, we are we are compelled to, to share our own testimony, to work you into every conversation, to, to have you and the gospel as the goal of every situation. Lord, it all comes together. It all works beautifully. We thank you for your text today. We thank you for the learning and the understanding. But Lord God, help us in the application that we exercise these truths. So Holy Spirit, speak to people in here. Speak to people in here. Continue to speak to people. We glorify you. We love you. And we worship you, Jesus. In your precious name. And everyone said, Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.